Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm going to be sharing a message entitled, More Than Enough. And as I share this, I'm praying that the Lord is going to bless you richly and that you're going to walk out of here not entertained, but empowered. That's a good place to say amen. Now, you might not have ever heard me speak before, and uh, so for some of you, I feel sorry. Uh, but for some of you, um, I want to mention that, uh, that uh, what I'm about to share with you, I'm praying will encourage you. I pray it will uplift you, that you'll walk out of here feeling like you are on fire with the Holy Spirit, ready to transform the dark into glorious light. And I pray you walk out of here empowered at all of our campuses. We pray God's blessings richly upon you. He is more than enough. Let me express something to you simply like this. God has placed us here on purpose. If you have your Bible, would you open up your scriptures to the gospel of Mark chapter 6. If you're new to church history or church world or maybe Christian language, we have this Bible. It's actually not one book. It's actually 66 books. It's pinned together by 40 different authors all throughout this time span. The Bible is separated into two portions, the Old Testament. And the Old Testament really chronicles the lives of the, of the Jewish people. And, and God speaks through people called prophets and kings and judges. And he does amazing works. Well, in the New Testament, it captures the story of Jesus. And in this New Testament that we're about to read, we're going to express some ideas from the Gospel of Mark. And Mark, he interviewed a gentleman by the name of Simon Peter. And Mark, though he was not eyewitness to all of the things that happened, Simon Peter expressed to Mark what he saw, what he observed. Remember this. As we talk about this historical book, it is a history book. It captures his story. And as we read from this, I want to just simply let you know this. Like, we're not reading about stories that some guy made up on the side of a hill somewhere. All of history, all the history that you know, it's eyewitness testimony. All of history. From every single philosopher, from every president, from every ruler, dictator, it is all recorded from an eyewitness. And as we read this story, we're not reading a story that's made believe, a once upon a time fairy tale. This happened. And the people that wrote these words, they gave their lives because they saw a man rise from the dead. What we are reading is true, and truth will change your life. If you believe that, say yes. I want to express that to you because we are reading something that actually took place. Are you ready to go in? Say yes. Oh, y'all look good this morning. Somebody ate some cornflakes. You're ready to go on a marathon. Here we go. Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says this. By this time, Jesus came ashore. A massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart filled with compassion, was filled with compassion because they seemed wandering like sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many wonderful things. Jesus spoke. Late in the afternoon, his disciples said, it's getting really late, Jesus, and this is a very remote place and they have nothing to eat. You should send these crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and buy food. But he answered, Jesus' response to his followers, you give them something to eat. Are you sure, they replied? You really want us to go buy supper? It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. So Jesus says, how many loaves of bread do you have? Go and see. 
And after they had looked around, they came back and they said, okay, here's what we got. They beat up some little kid. They opened up his little lunchbox. And they, that's not, in the, never mind, that's not in the Bible. But I just, I don't know how that story went down. I can't wait to ask Simon Peter. I'm sure he roughed the kid, never mind. Here we go, here we go, watch this. Five, we got five plus a couple of fish. Then he instructed them to organize the crowds to sit down on groups of grass. Ooh, that's a good word right there because the shepherd makes us lay down in green pastures. So he had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties and the scripture says this, then Jesus took the five loaves of bread and the two fish and he gazed into heaven and gave thanks to God. He broke the bread and the two fish distributed them to his disciples to serve the people. And the food, watch this, was multiplied. It grew, it expanded in front of their eyes. Everyone, ooh, I love this. Everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Then the 12 disciples picked up what remained and each of them ended up with basket full of leftovers. All together, watch this, 5,000 families were fed that day. Wow, Jesus is awesome. Here we go. As we read this story, let me just surmise it in this simple statement. We have a crowd in need and a calling God gave his followers to reach them. How many of you know we are living in a world with a lot of needs? Every time you turn on the television, every single time you scroll through social media, if you really want to discourage yourself, every single time you go online on Facebook, there is a need, there is a catastrophe, there is a, there is a painful situation happening. And the disciples first thought when Jesus gave them this challenge to meet the need was kind of an idea that we have. You know, whenever God calls us to do something, we have a couple of ideas, we have a couple of arguments internally. And the first thing that the disciples thought was this, let's just send these people away. You see, they were looking at the same thing, but seeing something different. The disciples wanted to push these people away, but Jesus wanted to pull them close. Here they're looking at a need, and you know what they're thinking? It's called the bystander effect. Somebody is going to take care of these people. Somebody's going to help them. I'm sure somebody's going to come along. I'm sure FEMA's going to show up. I'm sure Pastor Cody with Convoy of Hope, they're going to come. They're going to do a food distribution. You know, all these things. Somebody's going to meet the need. How many of you know that's true? We can all think that. Somebody's going to have to go take care of that. The disciples wanted to push them away, but Jesus pulled them close. Watch this, God always invites you close. Aren't you glad that our God sees a need, but then he volunteers himself to meet it? You see, that's leadership. I wanna to speak to the people in this room because if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a leader. Leader means an influencer and you have influence. Every single one of you have influence. You are called to be a leader. This is the fundamental difference between a leader and what's the other opposite part, the antithesis, if you will is called a complainer. There are leaders and there are complainers, but friends, it is impossible to consistently be both. You see, here's what a leader does. A leader sees what's wrong, and then they volunteer their gifts, their ideas, their hard works, and this is the big one, to serve as the solution. I've said this many times to our, our young people in the mainstream Orlando ministry. I've said this many times. I have looked all throughout the scripture. You know what I've never seen? The spiritual gift of suggestion. There is no suggestion box, box located in scripture. And there are a lot of people in church world, somebody say, hey, hey, I gotta preach to you. Are you ready? I've never seen the spiritual gift of suggestion. There's always that guy. There's always that gal 
hey, you know what you should do to make this thing better? Hey, in my opinion, you're like, I like the lights, but they're just too lighty. You know what I'm talking about? And if we're going to follow the example of scripture or the example of Jesus, there's no spiritual gift of suggestion. But you know what I do see modeled a whole lot? A broken world and somebody saying, I'm going to do what I can with my gifts, with my talents to fix it. That's leadership. There are plenty in society that are looking out to point out where the world is broken, but we need leaders to help put things back to the way they should be. Watch this. This is a revelation right now. I want you to hear this. Maybe if God lets you see a need, he wants you to do something about it. But see, but that's our natural default, just like the disciples. That's what they were kind of doing in a way. Somebody else, send them away, Jesus. Somebody will take care of them. In effect, they were saying somebody else will feed them. And when we talk about making a difference in the kingdom, we kind of think the same thing. When a preacher like me gets up here and says, hey, you should go out there and you should be a light in a dark place. We hear preachers say, you know, we think this idea, saving the world, that's for the evangelists. Discipling people, that's the occupation of a pastor. Thank God, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not in full-time ministry, good luck, good for you, you can make some money. But here's what I will tell you this, God has anointed you to win your world. The truth is that God has called all of us to be salt and light. We are called to live our lives to point people to Jesus. Hear me, we are here to lead the lost to a love that forever cannot contain. I'm gonna say that again because I started crying at Starbucks as I wrote that and I was like, wow, God, let me tell you it again because this is so good. We are here to lead the lost to a love forever could not contain. God has empowered you not to see obstacles but to look for the opportunities. Hear me, God did not place you on this planet to endure a broken world. He has called us to lead a broken world into an encounter with the one who makes all things new. God has placed you here on purpose. So friends, I wanna encourage you to live and lead on purpose. You know, people are brilliant. We have many inventors in our history right now, many inventors living today. People who've created some incredible things, amazing inventions. We've, we've made the iPhone. We've made space stations. We've made sporks. You know what a spork is? It's a fork with love handles. I'm talking about. We created this thing for a reason. Why is he talking about sporks? We should not let this guy back. But we have an understanding as human beings that we know by default, we don't make things for no reason. We have this understanding, like I'm not gonna just create something for no purpose. I mean, even the most abstract, weird, okay, art, okay? Like there's still somebody who's got poor eyesight that enjoys it. But everything we create, we understand this has a job, an assignment, a purpose, a task, to, to fulfill. If we know that as people with finite thinking, wouldn't you think the creator of all things would think that way too? Listen, God made all things, but he only loved, lived, fought, and died for the ones created in his image. Church, you were created in his image. 
Look this way. I got to tell you something. You have value that the cross is placed on you that no obstacle or storm or past experience could ever take away. You have value. Oh, you need to write this down. You are a divine, magnificent expression of life. There's somebody in this room that needs to write that down and tell them that that every single day when you wake up and your hair looking crazy, you need to look yourself in the mirror and you need to say, God, thank you that I am a divine, magnificent expression of life, that I have the fingerprints of God, that you are for me, not against me, that though I was formless in the room, you created me. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. What would happen if you realized that you were created for a purpose? I hope somebody's hearing me preach today. God has you here for a reason. If you think you're here just to make a lot of money, you are going to be very disappointed. If you want to go from success to significance, you got to ask God what you can do for others. The good news is that this wonderful salvation, this wonderful gospel, it's too great to keep to ourselves. The next challenge that the disciples face, of course, is the one, the big one. Are you ready for it? The next challenge that the disciples, the next argument that they had within themselves first was like, ah, somebody else will deal with it. I'm sure that preacher will deal with them next week. The next thing that they had, this internal struggle, this stress, this fear on the inside was this. I can't do that. Has God ever told you to do something? Has he ever maybe said, hey, maybe you should tell that somebody about church. Maybe you should invite them to that connect group. Maybe you should say, hey, come with me to this fall outreach or this back to school bash. And you hear that. And the first thing you think, and we all think it, watch this. I can't do that. that, That's not for me. Somebody else, right? We do the same thing. Somebody else will do it. You know what we're saying? I don't feel like I got enough. I can't meet the need. I feel like what's on the inside of me can't go that far. I can't make an impact. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm not as good looking as Jason. I mean, we have all these thoughts. You know, we think if I had what they had, if that was more charismatic, if God really wanted to use me, he would have made me a musician. If he really wanted to use me, he would have made me talented with kids or he would have made me talented with all these other things. We immediately, our first default is I can't do that. Look, I can't do this. I can't do that. We have these thoughts. But let's stop saying God should have given you what he has given someone else. If God wanted another me, God helped the world. But if God did, if God wanted another me, watch this, you would not exist. When God made you, baby, he broke the mold. God wants to use you, your voice, your talent, and your testimony. Oh, write this down right now. You got to hear this. Don't waste your gift by wishing for someone else's. Don't waste your gift by wishing for someone else's. If you would have needed more, if you would have needed my talents or my skills or pastor's gifts and capabilities, God would have given those to you. You have everything you need when you are in the hands of Jesus. If you take care of the possible, my God will take care of the impossible. When they saw the need that God was calling them to and they looked and they said, I've only got a few loaves of bread and I've only got a few fish, it wasn't enough. And technically they were right. But I need you to hear this. What God says is far more important than what you see. What God says is way more important than what you see. The size of your gift does not limit the magnitude of your impact. You might not see a way but my God has one. 
He's a way maker. Too often, we focus on what we don't have instead, watch this, of who we do have. We often focus on what we do not have, on what we are lacking, on the family that we didn't come from, on the color of our skin, on how much money. We focus on all those things that we think we're broken. We think that we're irredeemable. Let me tell you something. If God is for you, nothing can stand against you. Your past cannot darken the doors of your future. When you have God, you have all that you need. I'm gonna say that again. When you have God, you have all that you need. He's the God of more than enough. God is with us. Look who's in the room. Look who's in this situation. My God could take a little and make it a lot. My God could take dirty water and make it into fine wine. My God could take legs that have never ran before and said, guess what? Now you're going to rise and you're going to run and you're not going to grow weary. My God could take somebody who's been beat up, abandoned and thrown away and said, guess what, baby? The world came against you, but take heart. I've overcome the world. It's time for you to mount up wings as eagles and soar to new levels that you never thought possible. Would you realize who's for you? Stop giving the enemy permission to ruin your life by saying God didn't give you enough. He's given you everything that you need. When you place your little into God's hands, you're going to have more than enough. Let's no longer allow and permit fear to whisper into our hearts and allow God to roar in our spirits that we can do all things. I love what Isaiah says. It says this, Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Things change when we're in his hand. I was at the park the other day with my, my family and I was watching my little boys run all over the park and, you know, put dirt in their mouth. It was a great parenting moment. And as I'm there with my kids, I observe this, this beautiful little blonde hair, blue, blue eyed girl. She walks up to the big slide. Okay, not the baby slide, you know, the one for like toddlers. Like she was little, she was, okay. And she decides to go up to the big one, the big scary slide. And she gets up there with these gigantic blue eyeballs looking all over and I'm like, wow, I gotta see what happens here. And she sits herself down and man, she is just pale white scared. And so I kind of see her wiggling a little bit and then she kind of gets up and she's like, uh, I see, I'm seeing this like this moment and I'm watching because I'm, I'm also watching at this moment, this mom walk close and I just felt like, I felt like as I'm watching this, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, watch closely because I'm about to show you something. So this little girl gets on the slide and she said, and so the mom's like, honey, are you okay? Are you you want to do this? He's like, you can do this. Come on, baby, you can do this. And she asked this question to her daughter. She said, baby, do you, do you want to do this? She said this line, watch this. She said, yeah, I want to, but I'm a little scared. I want to, but I'm a little scared. And then I leaned in and I watched what the mother did. You know what she did? Just like any good parent would do. She leaned in a little closer to her and says, I know you're scared, but I'm right here. What would happen if we remembered he's Emmanuel? that he is with us. And when you allow, when fear creeps into your heart, you can know that he is leaning in and saying, baby, I know you're scared. I know you wanna do this. And guess what? I'm with you every step of the way. You see, changing the world is a daunting assignment, but our God is with us. He is bigger than whatever could come against you. 
behind me, they're gonna show a photo of a gentleman. His name is Sir Edmund Hillary. And if you don't know who this gentleman is, he's the first person to ever climb Mount Everest. And we all know that he's the first one to do it, but we might forget the part of the story where he tried to do it the first time and failed epically. In fact, many of the people traveling with him, they lost their lives, as many do every year on trying to take over and conquer this powerful, massive, scary mountain. Well, the, the world had heard that he was going to do this, and so they, they, they thought we'd support him, and they celebrate him wanting to accomplish this feat. And so they had this banquet in his honor, true story, and they were raising support for him and extra supplies and all these things. And there was a big banquet, and uh, they bring him in to be a speaker and just say, hey, I'm going to try this again, and here's the date and stuff. So be thinking about me praying that we have success. Well, here's what happens. As, as, as he goes up to the pulpit, at this podium right here, and he gets in, he adjusts the mic a little bit, and he goes, hold on a minute, I gotta do something. And right behind him, there was this photo, just like this, of Mount Everest. And here's what he does, I love this. He walks up to this photograph, and silence fills the room as they observe this man do this. And he hangs, he holds his fist up to the mountain photograph. And he says this, these words, and it's so powerful. He says, you beat me this time but you're as big as you're ever going to get. But I'm still growing. What could God grow inside of your life? You know, sometimes God puts a Goliath in front of you so you can realize that you got a David on the inside of you. The obstacle has limits, but guess what? The mountain has limits, but the God on the inside of you does not. The same God who made a way last time, he is gonna make a way this time. Let's allow God to do things that we cannot describe. Let's be the church when the service is over. Let's start to ignore those limiting beliefs and fears. Let's look for the opportunities to shine. You see, life can lead us all to dark, twisted places, but my God restores and makes beautiful things out of broken pieces. He is a one-size-fits-all kind of savior. And this is the God, hear me, that we are called to lead the world to. Hope, life, joy, peace, and freedom is found in the hands of Jesus. The other day, I bumped into a couple named Don and Maxine, and, and she was sharing how God has really done a work in her life and walked her through some difficult seasons. And she said this line, it was so beautiful. She said, you know, as I'm here, I know God sent me here, and he sent me in this shop to be a light. And she said this word to me. She goes, if, if God opens the door, I always pray, God, help me open my mouth. Hear me, I don't have all the answers required to heal my world, but I know how to lead you to the one who does. He can do more with you than you can. Let's get ready for overflow. Will you welcome me, Pastor Astani as he comes? Amen. Fantastic word, and thank you for handing the baton, and I'm going to run in just a minute with it. But first, I just got to greet the Michigan Street family over at uh, on Michigan Street in Peel. God bless you guys. Hello. Surprise. I'm here, and you're there. But love you. I see you waving back right there on the right, on the left. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Pastor Kevin, for being over there and filling in. And, and uh, talking about overflow, we need to pray that God's presence would overflow into Cuba. They need it. 
Let's do that right now together. Let's pray. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for that island of Cuba. We pray that your presence would overflow there. God, in the midst of all this turmoil going on, we pray, Lord God, that your miraculous power would just uh, reign supreme, supreme there, that you would bring people to salvation in record numbers, Lord God, that signs, miracles, and wonders would take place as the regime doesn't know what to do with what's going on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your presence there, for your church to grow stronger there, and Lord God, that for the leadership that they would repent and turn to you or get out in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you. We bless you for it in the name of the Lord. You know, if I would have said that over in Cuba, I would be getting arrested right now. We need to be thankful for where we're at. Amen? My parents were Cubans, and, and they came over as soon as uh, Castro said, you know, if whoever wants to leave can leave. <laughs> and dad was no fool. He, he left. And a couple years later, I was born. So I'm very thankful that, uh, that my father heard from God. And, but uh, talking about overflow, overflow is a direct result of obedience. Look at John 6, verse 8 9. Same story, different, uh, different book. One of his disciples, the word says, Andrew... Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Oh, what a statement of faith. Can you hear his, the faith in his words? What, what are they among so many? Don't be restricted by the little that you think you have. Don't be restricted by the little that you think you have. Here's this little boy. The scripture says a lad, a little boy, just a little kid with a couple of fish, with a couple of loaves of bread. And we see here on this picture, he had just enough for him. And, and we give him a lot of credit uh, because we say, oh, he's so prepared to go and meet Jesus. He set his lunch up and, and, and took something with him. Let's be real. Mom probably packed his lunch. He was probably sitting there running out the door, and mom said, where are you going, son? And he's like, uh, there's a man named Jesus. They say he's the Messiah. I'm, he's here in town. I'm going to run over there and see what's going on. And she's like, that's nice, honey. But here, take some fish, take some loaves of bread. Go ahead, go over there just in case you get hungry. There's a good possibility he could have showed up with nothing, but thanks, mom. That's a good place for all the moms to say Amen. But here he is, he shows up and he has what little he has. Don't get distracted by the little you may have in your life. Don't get distracted. Just act in obedience with your little and watch what God can do. The little that you may have is more than enough in his hands. Because you see what happened here. He gave out of an act of obedience. He gave the little and God multiplied it. And there was more than enough to, to feed 5,000 families. Talk about a feeding program. That was the biggest. Right there. And he had leftovers. They had leftovers. 12 baskets filled with leftovers from this miracle. Because he obeyed God in the little. No, they didn't snatch his lunch. Oh, they didn't just say, hey, come here, kid, give me what you got. No, he acted in obedience. They said, here's this little boy with this little bit of lunch. And the little boy said, here, Lord, and gave it to him. 
and God multiplied it in his hands. Look what God can do with the little. Let me give you a practical, just now, real-time example of what God does with the little. Here this, this upcoming weekend, we've got the back-to-school uh, outreach. You know where that started? It started about eight years ago over at Michigan Street Campus. Ha <laughs> ha, yes, the little. Because we had, we said, you know what? We need to reach out to the community. We need to do something. And we had somebody donate 50 backpacks. And we started with 50 backpacks and sent out invites. And we had about 75 people show up, 75 families show up to receive ministry, to receive some backpacks. And yeah, we got the extra 25 to them. But we got, that, that, it started there with just a couple of people doing a couple of haircuts and us praying with a few families. And then the next year, we got another 50 backpacks donated, so now we had 100 backpacks to give out. And we did more ministry and ministered to people and just prayed for them and loved on them, people in the community. And shortly thereafter, we started doing it here. Thank you, Pastor, for letting us just venture into doing new things. And now it's multi-campuses. Now we're serving 2,500 families or more with 2,500 backpacks backpacks, praying for dozens of people, hundreds of people, praying for them. We, we are strategic in having a prayer area that people need to get through to get their, uh, their info for their backpack because we want to be able to pray with everybody that is on the campuses this upcoming Saturday. But that's what happens when you give God your little. Just give him your little and let him multiply it in his hands. Man, what kind of ministry is going on? It's amazing. So here this little boy acted in obedience. Now we see the disciples. And the line was, what are they among so many? What was going on with them? They had such little faith. And they had just, they had just come back from a ministry tour. Jesus had empowered them with authority to go and minister to people. But here they are with a need, and they're saying, what can be done with this? I'm so glad that the Lord includes us in miracles despite our lack of faith. That's what he did here. He included these disciples in this miracle despite their, their little faith. They obeyed Jesus, right? So here Jesus breaks, breaks the, the praise and breaks these pieces of, of, of loaves and fish. And he, the word says he gave them the pieces, Right? Now, where did the multiplication actually happen? Did it happen right there? Or did it happen, as the word said, as they were being served? The word said that he broke the pieces and gave them the pieces to serve to the people. So I'm sure that the disciples in that moment looked and saw a couple pieces of fish, little, a little crumbles of fish and a couple crumbles of, 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 of these little rolls of bread and they had to start walking. Well, it hasn't multiplied yet, but I'm going to obey God. And by the time they started digging in, it multiplied and just more and more sprung out of those baskets. They had to walk in obedience with the little that they saw. Why the focus on the deficiencies or why, why the focus on the little? These guys and gals, the, the disciples, they, they came back from this ministry tour and, and they saw amazing things take place. They should have had more faith than just what can be done with this. They saw people healed. They, saw, uh, they, they preached the word uh, under God's anointing. They saw demons flee and rejoiced at it. 
The word tells us that they rejoiced at how even demons responded and, and fled at the name of Jesus Christ. You know, personally, I don't think they were all happy that demons were running. I think they were happy and rejoicing at the change in the eyes of a person that just got set free. That change, that I'm free. That's what they were rejoicing at. But in this moment, they didn't have a whole lot of faith to see a miracle. I don't know. Maybe it was because they were tired. You know, ministry tires you out. Life tires you out sometimes. And you may be thinking, well, I don't do ministry. I, I don't know what that is. Yes, you do do ministry. You may not recognize it as ministry, but we all minister to people. How many of you have little kids and Saturday morning rolls around and they're up at seven o'clock in the morning? And what do you have to do? You have to minister breakfast and then you have to minister entertainment and then you had to minister lunch because you got to keep feeding them. And you minister, and it's all day long where you're ministering. You're meeting the needs of other people. Ministry is meeting the needs of other people. You may be saying, I, I can't minister to anyone. I don't know how to minister to anyone. Well, let me tell you about a ministry season that my wife and I just went through not too long ago. Marisol's mom had gotten sick, and uh, really sick, and she was in a, a rehab, uh, just awaiting, just getting a little bit stronger to be able to get, start getting treatment. My wife sat there one day by her bedside, just weeping, thinking, I'm not making any kind of difference. I'm not really being helpful to her. And as she was sitting there, one of the staff members came in, saw her crying and said, oh, you're doing so much more than what you think. You are giving, you're ministering to her, you're meeting the needs that she has the most at this time as you tuck her into bed, as you brush her hair, as you're washing her hands and her face, as you're praying for her and praying with her, as you are putting praise and worship in her room and setting the atmosphere in this room, you're doing a whole lot of ministry. And that's where my wife said, Wow, I'm, I'm showing her the love of Christ, the love of Jesus in the way that she needs it the most right now. And that in turn ministered to the staff because they saw people going there every day for a couple of hours just ministering and taking care of this lady. Her mom, my mother-in-law, we sat there and, and, and that was encouraging to them. They said, wow, they saw our faith. They saw how we were just gonna take care of her. It ministered to her, and then we were being ministered to because immediately when all this went down, we had a close personal friend that said, I'll take care of the kids. I'll make sure they're fed. I'll make sure they're bathed. Well, I'll put them down. That was incredible ministry for us at that time. And then when she actually passed, then we had pastors come and be with us the night of, of her passing, her going on to glory. And do you think they were laying hands on us and calling on heaven? No, they were crying with us and sitting with us. That was ministry. You are ministering. And ministry doesn't, may not look like what you think it looks like. There was a mission trip that we went on years ago as a youth ministry. It was to Venezuela. And just to show you how ministry can just tire you out, we're sitting there, we would circle up, and we start singing praise songs and being all loud, and, and, and a crowd would gather. 
And that's where we would just start presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the crowd that was there. We had a generator going with, uh, with, for the microphones and for lights and whatever. And, and, and we were just ministering and we were there all day long. And towards the end of the day, we still had a couple hours to go. We look over at the generator and the generator was marking empty, like empty. You know when it's empty, you can go a few more miles and empty, I need to pull over now. We opened the thing and the, the cap and yep, it's empty. Guess what we did? Lay hands on the generator, Father, in the name of Jesus. We need you to multiply whatever's going on in here and that it'll last just a little bit longer. And sure enough, it lasted and lasted and lasted and lasted until we were able to finish the ministry that was going on that day. We saw blind eyes open. We saw the lame healed. We saw demonically oppressed, possessed people freed. And it was amazing. And we were pumped up, but we were tired. And maybe that's what's going on with these disciples at this moment where they're, they're set up for a miracle and they just didn't quite see it yet. Let me ask you something. Are you tired? Maybe life has worn you out a little bit. Yeah, 2020 was really bad, but for some, 2021 was worse than 2020. And ministry and life can wear us out. Do you find yourself with a little strength? Just a little strength. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus in Matthew 11 addresses that. He says this, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm humble, gentle, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. If you find yourself with a little bit of strength, go to the source of life and he will strengthen and quicken your mortal body. That's what the word of God says. Maybe you find yourself with a little bit of faith, just a little bit of faith. I'm so tired, I don't, I don't even have barely strength to believe. Well, if, you're, if you have a little bit of strength, Matthew 11 says this, Jesus speaking says, are you weary? No, it says this, I promise you, Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do. So don't tell me you have a little bit of faith because what Jesus is saying, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds on the planet, he says with a little bit of faith, just a small amount of faith, and me, God can do some amazing things through you. Amen? You know, that little boy, those disciples, the people that were there, they were there to bear witness and participate in this miracle that took place on that day. And you know what? God has placed you and I strategically in the crowd that we see ourselves in. You're in a crowd, the world crowd out there. Your crowd is at home with your family, your workplace, your school, your social media space. Hey, if you've got a social media platform, you've got, you've got a crowd. Now you may be sitting there, and the Lord told me to speak directly to people that were watching online. If you're sitting there right now, you're saying, I have no one. Uh, I am by myself. I've been locked up. I have no friends. I have no family. I ha I'm by myself. Can I tell you, you are not by yourself. You've got a faith family here that loves you and considers you to be part of a family. 
There are people standing by right now that if you type a comment in, into the stream and say, I need prayer, they'll reach out to you and pray. They're ministers ready to minister to your need. You are not alone. Let me also say in the last closing minutes here, ministry isn't restricted to a church building. Every year, people would go to Jerusalem, Jew and Gentile alike, and they would flood the city, and yes, they would go to the temple, to the synagogue, to receive ministry, to hear the word, but on this occasion, Jesus wasn't inside the temple, he was outside the city, away from the temple, and one of the greatest miracles took place outside of the church building. Let me tell you this as well, miracles are not restricted to the altars at our campuses. You could be a part of that miracle just by being involved, listening to what God is saying and doing what he asks you to do and saying what he wants you to say. Let me share this, this story. It's Alan's story. Years ago, a few years ago, there was a, this lady that came to the church over at Michigan Street. She had recently rededicated her life uh, to Christ and, and started attending and started praying for her sons, three sons and, and her husband that weren't serving God yet. So she starts praying and believing God for just salvation of her family. Don't ever give up on your unsaved family members. Shortly thereafter, one of her sons died, passed away. She asked me to officiate, so I went to the funeral, officiated, and the other two brothers were there and one of them, after I had officiated, he was outside in the parking lot with a couple of guys. And Alan, he was hurt. He just blamed God for, for his brother being gone, was mad at God, was mad at anyone that represented God. So as I approached, he had this look in his eyes. Like, I don't want anything that you have got to say to me right now. So I went up to him. And I shook his hand, I said, God did not do this. God did not take your brother. And I left it at that, I walked away, but the mom was still praying and I was praying with her. And one day in service, here comes her husband and here comes Alan. And they sat in service and I gave, we gave the word and it was time for the altar call. Gave the altar call and here comes the mom and here came her husband and here came Alan. They're sitting in the altar, they're standing at the altar. We start to pray, I'm getting emotional. I'm like, yes, he's gonna give his life to Christ. And we start to go through the sinner's prayer. And as soon as we started going through the sinner's prayer, I don't know if he was just overwhelmed with emotion, but he just turned around and jetted out the back door. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I waved over to the associate. I'm like, come here, finish the prayer. And I ran out the back door. Went into the parking lot looking for Alan. Where's Alan? And I see him around the corner by the, by the building on, around the corner just weeping. And I went up to him and I'm like, this is it, man. God didn't do that and he loves you. And this is the moment where you can connect with him. You're gonna see your brother again, but you've gotta go. You gotta give him your heart. Do it now. And I'm like, and he's like, okay, I'll do it. So we started praying. 
And as I was leading him through the, through the sinner's prayer, he's just nodding ahead. And mom had showed up by then. And she's like, you got to say the words. <laughs> like, listen to your mother. Yes, say the words. And we prayed the sinner's prayer. And he gave his life to Christ. He gave his life to Christ on the outside in a parking lot while the altar call was going on on the inside of the church building. <laughs> Miracles are not restricted to the altars of a church. I'm so glad he gave his life to Christ just a couple years after that. He, he, he lost his life and, and the Lord received him just a couple years after that. I'm so glad that he responded to that call to give his life to Christ. And here we are. Here we are. We're wanting to see God move in, 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 the, in the environments around us. God's placed you here strategically to touch every area of your community, starting with your family and your friends and even strangers. Don't let divinely coordinated moments pass you by. You ever run into someone and they start just sharing their life with you and you're like, what's going on? It's probably because God set that moment up for you to say, can I pray with you? To just meet a need. Whatever, what, with whatever gifting you have. And you may be sitting here saying, well, I don't know of any gifts. We just went through a seven-week series on the motivational gifts. If you missed it, go back online and check it out and find out because you all have a gift that God has placed within you. Everyone. We're getting ready for harvest this week. And we're believing God for an overflow of people and God restoring people uh, to himself and how is that even possible? Well, we give him our little and let him multiply it to more than enough to overflow. And then you serve people out of that overflow. You've got something to offer. Stop looking at the little. Just take the little and put it in his hands and watch him do something above and beyond what you could ever imagine to think. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.